Thank you for joining The Secret Chord, a weekly exploration of music and spirituality. I'm your host, Adam Jacobs. Hey folks, and welcome to this week's edition of The Secret Chord. I have the special privilege of speaking once again with my great friend, Andrew Genger, who I describe as a consummate musicologist. He's been in the music business for many years and has a lot to say on a lot of topics. I think that every time we get together, we talk music and um, we really, really connect over uh, a lot of different artists and songs. And it's our privilege to hear from him today. And I've asked him to open up uh, our artist this week is the great Ray Charles. And the song is called Hard Times. And I'm going to ask him to give us a little background on Ray and, and on the song. Well, thank you, Rabbi. It's an absolute honor and a privilege. It's always I enjoy our talks and it's beautiful getting to connect with like-minded souls that feel the music. And boy, when it comes to Ray Charles, the feeling is the first thing that comes to mind. He felt every single note of what he sang. There's a uh, couple quotes from musical contemporaries that I think really, really do a good job expressing how I feel and how so many people around the world feel about Ray's music. No one less than Frank Sinatra said, Ray is the only true genius in show business. And then a little bit more modern, Billy Joel said, and I love this quote, he said, this may sound sacrilege, but I think Ray Charles was more important than Elvis Presley. Now, depending on how you want to debate someone's merits or importance, there's no question that Ray Charles pioneered an entire new genre of music. He himself was too humble. You know, people would call him the genius. He preferred Brother Ray. That was his nickname for himself and what most people called him. But, you know, it's impossible sometimes to pinpoint who starts a genre. I mean, did James Brown start funk? You know, did... uh, you know, Bill Haley in the comments or Elvis Presley start rock and roll or Little Richard. I mean, you know, you can, it's never one person, right? It's multiple people. But when it comes to modern day soul, no possible artist comes close to looming as large as Ray Charles. There is not a singer alive today, whether they know it or not, that hasn't been influenced by his vocal work and his playing. Can you give an example of that? Oh, Lord, Steve Winwood comes to mind. I mean, I can give more modern examples, but you have people like Aretha Franklin. You have people like Elvis Presley himself was influenced. Van Morrison, Joe Cocker, Stevie Wonder, the band, Allman Brothers. And even modern day folks are constantly like, you know, constantly talking about how Ray has influenced their singing. And it wasn't just the way Ray sang or played because he played multiple instruments as well. Marvelous saxophonist, organ player. Obviously, he's famous for his piano work. And he even recorded multiple, multiple instrumental albums in, in the jazz world. So, you know, he was a, a, a true, uh, what's the term, master of uh, various trades. But I think what his influence is more than anything else was an emotion and a feeling. He didn't just chase trends. You know, there's no psychedelic Ray Charles album. There's no power ballad. And he lived through those eras. He sang what he wanted to sing or sing when he did it. That is it. He literally followed his muse, followed his path, and he did it from the day he was born. He was born in 1930. 
just a little background. Born in 1930. He actually was born in Georgia and then moved to Florida. And Florida really is what he considered his hometown. Now, we talk about folks being poor. This is a true, true poverty. And, you know, it's interesting. The song we're, we're here to talk about, Hard Times. Ray lived hard times. Right. I mean, real. I mean, we're talking about just a couple tidbits here. Never knew his father. Age five, he only had one brother, one sibling, no sister. He had one brother and he watched his brother drown and felt like he was going to be able to save him. And he was unable to save his brother. I saw that depicted in the movie. That was pretty, uh, yeah. pretty intense. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting because not shortly, about maybe a few weeks or a month after that, he started losing his eyesight. I'm no, I'm no psychologist, but I have to believe that there's a connection. I'll let someone more gifted in the, in the ways of science and the mind um, describe that. But yeah, he started losing his eyesight around age five. By age seven, he was completely blind. He was closest to his mother. He actually had two mothers. One, obviously, his, his one biological mother, and then one was the previous wife of his uh, you know, absentee father, and who treated him like a mother. And uh, he was very close to both of them. They were both dead by the time he was a teenager. And that destroyed him because now he truly was an orphan. He was blind. He was black at a time down south where this, I mean, we could argue there's still racism, of course, today in America. But this is at a time where he literally was treated like a second-class citizen. And that affects someone. Obviously, it has a negative effect. So Ray came up and he was poor. You know, there was times, and, and Ray talks about it, where he had nothing to eat, where he was going for days with hunger. So Ray lived a life of, uh, of challenge and struggle, and some of it was self-inflicted. You know, we'd be remiss not to talk about the fact that he was a hardcore heroin, heroin user, a junkie, <clears throat> right. by his own admission, for 16 years. This is not the scope or place to talk about Ray's relationship with women, but needless to say, there was numerous paternity uh, suits leveled at him over the years, which drained away his time and his fortune. So he had his addictions. He had his demons. And some of them he inflicted on himself and some of them were inflicted on him. Needless to say, he had a hard life. But that hard life produced some of the most extraordinary music. And for people maybe listening to this and aren't so familiar with Ray Charles and his music, I mean, you talk about songs like What Did I Say or Hit the Road Jack or George On My Mind or One Mint Julep or, oh my Lord, his version of America the Beautiful. I mean, you still it's hear great. that every year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and one could go on and on. The cool thing about Ray is he didn't know, and we kind of hinted at this before, but he didn't know genres. He didn't play that game. If anything, people in the beginning were protesting Ray Charles because he had the audacity to mix that blues with the gospel. Right. And mixed uh, the, you know, that uh, the... Uh, Adding the spiritual component that we're concerned with here. That's it. Yeah. That's it. You know, uh, one of the artists I worked with for many years, Counting Crows, they have an album called Saturday Nights and Sunday Mornings. I love that because that's really, that's at the, uh, for the, at least in the non-Jewish world, perhaps that's the centerpiece of where it all goes down. You have your Saturday night raucous partying and, 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 you know, the blues and everything else followed by Sunday, you're going to church. And that's what Ray Charles did. So he had the audacity to combine the Saturday night and the Sunday morning into a three minute song. That's a great metaphor. 
Um, can you tell me a little bit about this song? Oh, God, yeah. So this is uh, Hard Times, came out in 1960, but it's actually recorded in 1955, and it's off an album called The Genius Sings the Blues. It was a whole span of albums for Atlantic Records. Um, we're kind of doing these little concept albums for Ray. So he had obviously uh, uh, an album of jazz standards, an album of blues standards. So this came from the naturally the blues. And this is a true blues. I mean, this is a real, real... I don't know if folks on this podcast are going to get to hear the song or if we're going to play it. We're going to play it. Oh, man. It's a tree. It doesn't matter how many times you hear this song. And it's a unique. It's a unique structure. I mean, there's actually two full-on horn breaks. And uh, one of one of Ray's great collaborators was a guy named David Fathead Newman, who passed on only a few years after Ray. I think Ray passed on in 2004. Fathead Newman died, I believe, in 2009. And... Uh, they were collaborators, and you hear that on this song. But the one thing I want to say about this song is the way it builds up. It's crucial that we think about how this song, it starts off just a little piano, no Ray, just a little piano from Ray, from Ray, but no vocals, I should say. And then it builds, and it builds, and it builds until that final, final crescendo where he says, no more hard times, no more hard times. Yeah, yeah, who knows better than I? You know what? I think now's a good opportunity to go ahead and play the song, and then we'll talk about it more. Sounds great. Thank you, Rabbi. My mother told me before she passed away, said, son, when I'm gone, don't forget to pray, because there'll be hard times. Hard times, oh yeah, yeah. Who knows better than I? Well, I soon found out just what she meant when I had to part my clothes just to pay my rent. Talking about hard times, hard times, oh yeah, yeah. Who knows? I want a better than I. One of these days 
So astounding song, no? Oof. Wow. Doesn't matter how many times you hear it. That's a powerful, powerful, powerful performance. Yeah, I agree. And um, what do you think, you know, in listening to it, I sort of think the first two sections are sort of like Ray pouring out his troubles into a whiskey bottle, mm. you know, like he's, it's the blues, you know, and you hear him like uh, enumerating his issues. But then I agree with you that the the last verse, he like unleashes his soul and uh, the I had a woman part, right? And you can feel, you can feel like this crying in the depths of his soul, like he's not fooling around, right? He, right. he, he he's, he means this. Yeah. He suffered. He lived the blues. And now he's playing it. There's a resilience in that last verse. There's a, a feeling that he's not going to be down no more. He's not going to allow himself to be held down by any limits. And I think you're right. In the beginning, there's that 2 a.m. in the bar, <laughs> you know, crying into, I love what you said, crying into the whiskey cup or the whiskey glass. There's that smoky jazz club or, or blues bar feeling. But at the end, he's going he's gonna to come through this. I think he's going to. Yes, I agree. But there's also the, the pain is very palpable. And, um, and I think that's part of what makes this so authentic and so compelling mm. is, like you said, a, a great artist shows you their inner world, mm. right? And he is belting it out. And um, with, the, with the horns behind him, it's, uh, it's, for me, it's an incredible experience listening to it. And just trying to highlight the spiritual aspects of it for a second. Certainly from a Judaic perspective, you know, I think you could ask the question, is it appropriate to speak to the Almighty the way that he is? He seems to be kvetching. For the <laughs> la- you know, I had to pawn my clothes just to pay my rent, you know, and all these terrible, my woman left me. It's a classic, you know, tales of woe, like, is that something that we, is that a spiritual thing to do to, to indulge those pains and, and difficulties to the creator to which I would give an, an emphatic yes. Right. So unlike maybe some other cultures who, who prayer is supposed to be like a, you know, a dainty sitting nicely in the pews kind of thing. I love the fact that Ray is putting it all out there. And I think actually that's, that's a very authentic kind of spirituality. Reminds me sort of of, uh, of Tevia and Fiddler on the mm-hmm. Roof when, you know, he looks up at the sky and says, like, you send me news like this on a day like today? Like, so that's, it's, it's okay to experience your pain and to give voice to it. Mm-hmm. it, it that pain is part of life that there is no one that goes forth unscathed in this world and the journey is both the highs and the lows mm. would you agree with that i would yeah okay so as you mentioned powerful way to think of it so he merged the church music and and the r&b which i agree two different aspects of um of his life and of, of life in general and I was thinking about it, you know, um, they, they sometimes describe Ray as a soul musician, like, you know, mm. he plays soul. Mm. And I thought rather, no, it's not that he plays soul, it's that he is, he is a soul and he allows you to see that. And that made me think, 
how does that work? In other words, what exactly is the mechanism that allows us or allows Ray Charles to feel something down in his essence to somehow attach it to, to sound and that years later he's gone and dead and somehow preserved the miracle of recording science. We still feel what he was projecting from his soul as he said in one of his lyrics, like, I know, you know, the song, I love you where there's no space and time, right? Mm. Yeah, there is no space and time when it comes to us feeling what he felt. I would describe that, if you think about it, as almost miraculous. Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, 1948, there's an artist called John Lee Hooker, you might be familiar with, who had a song called Boogie Chillin'. And this, to me, is the exact thing that we're talking about. The lyrics of this particular verse, which to me are the most important lyrics in all of music, to me, is one night I was laying down, I heard mama and papa talking. I heard papa tell mama, let that boy boogie woogie, it's in him and it's got to get out. It's got to get out. And I tell artists all the time, I say, it doesn't want to get out if the paycheck's right. It doesn't feel like, oh, maybe it'll get out if I just move to LA. It, it, it gets out because it has to. It's a purging of the soul. It's a purging. John Lee Hooker used to wear sunglasses on stage. And when an interviewer asked him, why do you always wear sunglasses? He wasn't blind. Why do you always wear sunglasses? He said, so the people won't see me cry. Wow. And that's what we're talking about here. Ray didn't, this wasn't an intellectual exercise or a commercial exercise or even necessarily an artistic exercise. Sure, there may have been parts of that into it, but it was a something he, I don't believe he had any control over. It. He had to sing. He had to purge. He had to have that. He had to release. He had to release that energy, release that into the world. Or, you know, you can't bottle that up. Agreed. I would also, you, I'm echoing what you said earlier, which is, in his case, maybe in particular, his suffering made Ray Charles. Yeah. And if he had lived a very cloistered, you know, pleasant life, we might not have had the music that we do. We might not have been able to derive the lessons that we are able to. And that got me thinking about, you know, every individual's journey in this world. And uh, in thinking about uh, just one quote that I, I'm hoping to encap encapsulate this idea, I found um, something by an author named Hakuri Murakami, who wrote a book called Kafka on the Shore. And it's, it's a couple paragraphs, this quote, but I just want to read it to you, see what you think, and then we'll draw some conclusions about hard times. So it says, sometimes fate is like a small sandstorm that keeps changing directions. You change direction, but the sandstorm chases you. You turn again, but the storm adjusts. Over and over, you play this out like some ominous dance with death just before dawn. Why? Because this storm isn't something that blew from far away, something that has nothing to do with you. This storm is you, something inside of you. So all you can do is give into it. Step right inside the storm, closing your eyes and plugging up your ears so the sand doesn't get in, and walk through it step by step. There's no sun there, no moon, no direction, no sense of time. Just fine white sand swirling up into the sky like pulverized bones. 
That's the kind of sandstorm you need to imagine. And you really will have to make it through that violent metaphysical symbolic storm. No matter how metaphysical or symbolic it might be, make no mistake about it, it will cut through flesh like a thousand razor blades. People will bleed there and you will bleed too. Hot red blood. And it goes on. (laughs) So, yeah, it's intense. But like you said, the blindness, the loss of his parents, the, the witnessing the death of his brother, the heroin addiction, horrible stuff. Yeah. But nonetheless, look what it, look what it got him in touch with yeah. and, um, and how universal a theme for all of us to consider that even despite the difficulties, despite the pain and the hardship that everybody goes through on their own level, if you can utilize that, view it as a journey and dig down deep into yourself to reveal the, the most spiritual aspect of your soul, essentially, and give voice, to, if you're lucky enough to be able to give voice to that in whatever medium, you know, you're maximizing mm. the experience that you had on this earth. Mm. Yeah, and that's powerful. Ringo has a lyric, you got to pay your dues if you want to sing the blues and you know it don't come easy. Right. I'm not, Great com- song. I'm, not, yeah, yeah. I'm not comparing Ringo's vocal abilities to that of Ray Charles, but the sentiment, you know, is there. And I think that's, well, that poem, there's a, what was the, the poet's name? Sorry. Naka- Murakami. Murakami. I mean, that's, that's powerful. I and mean, that tells you we could, we all deal with struggles in life. And I don't think it's, I remember my, one of my rabbis in college, he said, you know, his main emphasis towards me was, he said, Andrew, the struggle is significant. The struggle is significant. That's always stayed with me. And I think about that in the music and artistic world. When I think about some of my favorite filmmakers or, or authors or, you know, Jack Carroll, whatever it is, whatever medium we're talking about. When I think about the, the artists that have touched me the most, it's people that are using their pain and working on it to overcome, you know, to overcome that pain, to, uh, Use it, you know, you can get weighed down by it. You know, you can, it, it can sink you into depression or anxiety or sometimes something worse. You know, I'm, I'm obviously a Nirvana fan and Kurt Cobain comes to mind. But, you know, there's a lot of people we can mention. Uh, and unfortunately, didn't make it through. Right. And I think that while I have tremendous amounts of sadness for those people, the ones that have always been most inspirational to me are the ones that have taken their share of pain, taken their beatings, right? And uh, overcome it. Right. And, and, I, and I think Ray Charles is a, is a great example of that. Maybe, maybe the supreme example of Me that. Me too. Yeah. And although uh, we don't wish hard times on anybody, um, this is a little food for thought for this week. And um, it's been a pleasure having Absolutely. you here, Andrew. Thank you and again. We're working together once again. And I hope we have many more chances to discuss uh, fantastic music like this. I would love that. And I hope everyone has a great week. We'll talk to you next week with more music and more insights into the spiritual world. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. If you would like to find more content like this, as well as information about live programming, visit us at www.hny.com. 
That's www.aishny.com. 